there are many shades of thyroid disease. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Since there are so much information and misinformation about this condition, Natalia and I will talk about seven foods, just seven, you should be eating and which ones you should avoid if you have Hashimoto's. Hello, thank you for listening to Thyroid Hair Loss Connection Podcast, a science-based, honest, candid conversation about how your thyroid affects your hair. You will learn practical solutions to hair growth, healing your thyroid, and balancing hormones with holistic nutrition approach and the latest treatments. Your hosts, me, Natalia Sanzo, a registered dietitian, aka Nashville Thyroid Expert, and Kimberly Vaughn, a board-certified trichologist, hair loss specialist, and coach. To stay up to date on the latest topics, make sure to subscribe to our channel. We also cannot do this without you. Send us a question to the link below and tune in each week for the answers. Now, let's head to the show. Hello, listeners. I hope you guys are having a productive day. Kimberly and I are here to chat about foods that can improve your Hashimoto's-related symptoms and in turn improve your hair loss. By the end of, and actually at the end of the episode, we'll talk about which foods you should avoid if you have Hashimoto's. And as a registered dietitian and thyroid patient myself, right, because I've had I've had, had Hashimoto's for over 10 years, I've been treating people with autoimmune conditions, including, of course, Hashimoto's for years. And we know that 80% of people with hypothyroidism have Hashimoto's. So it's definitely the most common type of hypothyroidism in the United States. And it's definitely the most confusing one because there is so much misinformation on social media. Wow, Natalia, social media. We just love talking about that here, don't we? Between uh, .google, .yelp, and everything else that you can imagine, it's very, very tough for us who, you know, we feel like we work very hard to educate ourselves and um, equip ourselves with all the knowledge that we need to be the best in our professions. But for our listener and for anyone else that's just digging around trying to find information, you know, Google and social media is not always the best place to go. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Now, you know, you're bringing up some really exciting topics today about these foods. So really, why is there so much information anyway about the Hashimoto's diet and supplements for this specific condition? Gosh, Kimberly, I can talk about this on, you know, forever. But it all comes down to these so-called thyroid coaches and certified nutrition therapists. Without a degree, they misread and or misinterpret research. Actually, I, I give them too much credit. I doubt that they read an, a real research paper. They read a blog, right? A New York Times bestseller book. That's another topic for discussion. Or other coaches' posts and perpetuate outdated or wrong information. And that is why all the posts on social media look the same, all the blogs sounds the same, right? 
And one of the biggest myths that was published in New York Times bestseller book Hashimoto's Protocol in 2017, the author mentioned that we should avoid cruciferous vegetables if you have Hashimoto's. Guys, if you remember that cruciferous vegetables include cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, kale, cauliflower, and some others. It's true that eating a lot of these vegetables could limit your thyroid uptake of iodine and the amount, well, but the amount you would need to eat to have that effect is very, very large, much larger than most people would ever normally eat and certainly far more than would be included in a daily smoothie. In addition, for somebody like you, like me, whose thyroid gland isn't working properly and who is taking thyroid hormone replacement medication, even if you ate these vegetables in large amounts, there would be any or they wouldn't be any impact on the amount of thyroid hormone in your body, right? Because we're getting this thyroid hormone from the pill. So our thyroid has nothing to do with it. So Kimberly, many thyroid coaches and certified nutrition therapists read those books and then educate their public on their social media platforms without reading the latest research. It's been five years since the book has been published. And unfortunately, this myth is still going strong on social media. Mm. What a shame. And I know during my um, certification for my nutritional coaching, uh, when we started offering some of the testing that we do for hair loss patients, it is extremely deep, it's extremely involved, and you really have to understand the components in and around the foods that you're eating and how they're affecting the body. Absolutely. You you can't just really read a research paper, and even if you interpret it correctly, you still need to understand how all the systems in your body work. You need to know endocrinologists, physiology, and and biology and chemistry. So it's mm-hmm. not just, it's it's more complicated than it sounds. Yes, for sure. Okay, now back to Hashimoto's, right? We know that if, if you're not managing Hashimoto's properly, you're kind of doomed to experience strange, strange heart flutters, anxiety, brain fog, difficulty concentrating, extreme cold intolerance, right? Difficulty losing weight, joint pain, Oh, and let's not forget about hair loss, right? If you, My favorite. <laughs> yes. If you guys want to learn more about how the thyroid affects hair loss, listen to an episode titled Thyroid Hair Loss Connection, which aired in season one, episode number two. Kimberly, we talk all the times how many of our clients with Hashimoto's continue to have symptoms after, even after starting medication and see normal or normalization of their labs. Because of this, research has begun to look at other factors that may influence symptoms and overall wellness in Hashimoto's beyond medication, right? And one of these factors is diet. While a Hashimoto's diet won't cure your hypothyroidism, it can help decrease common side effects of hypothyroidism like constipation, fatigue, weight gain, and of course, hair loss. So what is the best diet for Hashimoto's? While there is not one best diet for Hashimoto's, if you want to hear my take on this topic, then listen to our most popular episode called The Best Diets for Hashimoto's that we published during season one of this podcast. 
Oh, Natalia, that's such a good reference for our listeners. That episode, listener, if you're curious, was in season one, and it happens to be episode number seven. My favorite number, lucky seven. I know, easy to remember. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about seven foods that you need to be eating if you have Hashimoto's. Number one is chicken. Most diets for thyroid disorders recommend eating lean protein which means opting for chicken instead of beef or pork. Ideally, eat chicken breast rather than dark meat cuts like thighs or legs, since they're leaner, and choose grilled or broiled chicken over fried. And as a bonus, it's better for your cholesterol too. And guys, you know, actually I thought of something. This episode, it's not really about specific food, but rather or it's less about specific foods, but more about emphasizing the right nutrients, proteins, and healthy fats. So I'll go over some of the most popular food choices for from each category, but keep in mind that your individual dietary needs may be different. For example, some people will feel better if they don't consume dairy, while others feel better if they don't have nightshades right? That's our uh, bell peppers and tomatoes. So it's important to work with a registered dietitian like yours truly, who can help you build a meal plan that works to combat inflammation and make you feel better. Okay, so that was like a little side note. Now, um, number two, food number two, you should be eating fish. Fish is one, it's like one-two punch for thyroid health. Not only it's a lean protein, it, also high, it is also high in omega-3, which some studies suggest reduces inflammation. And omega-3 may even reduce the incidence of inflammatory disease when combined with vitamin D. Natalia, that's such a great point, but I have to jump in and ask, you know, um, our listener, along with probably half of the United States, maybe more, uh, is always listening and hearing somebody ask them or tell them to eat salmon, right? Mm -hmm. So when you talk about fish, are we talking about any particular type of fish? Because some fish is higher in mercury, some is higher in omegas, 3, 6, and 9. Absolutely. I think the best fish when it comes to getting your omegas healthy fats is, of course, salmon. But there are also sardines. But I know the not a lot of people, and I just saw your face, you know, you just <laughs> yuck. feel like, yuck. Oh. So not a lot of people like sardines. So that's why you don't hear us saying it. It's mm -hmm. sardines, it's sardines, it's sardines, because it's just not as popular as some foods like salmon. Mm -hmm. But honestly, any wild caught fish will do the job. So don't, if you don't like salmon, don't force yourself eating it three times a week. Just add on a variety of fish and chances are you'll get your omega-3s from those sources. Well, and this is a little bit of a side note. And um, I have found it much more difficult living in Oh, I don't know. I was going to say kind of the middle of the South, if you will, and not coastal, right? To find wild caught fish. It is really, really challenging. And the small independent supermarket that we used to go to used to specialize in wild caught. And now it's very challenging. So I really think I'm going to start looking for some um, flash frozen 
food to where it can be shipped into us because then I know it truly is wild caught and it's not farm raised. Absolutely. And that's a great point. And honestly, most of the times I do buy frozen wild caught fish because when it's froze, flash frozen on the ship, it's a, it is fresher than what you see at the grocery store at the fish counter because the fish, when it says never frozen fresh, can actually be sitting there for three to four days and then you buy it on day four and then if you don't cook it on day second, on the second day, now we're looking at six to seven days of that fish just sitting in the in the fridge. So I always recommend buy frozen. You know it's been frozen right away after it's been caught. Just defrost it in the fridge, not on your counter to be safe and uh, enjoy all the benefits. Oh, such a great tip. Yes, very good. Okay, third food you should be eating are non-starchy vegetables. Starchy vegetables like sweet potatoes, peas, corn, and white potatoes are high in sugar than their non-starchy counterparts, according to the American Thyroid Association. Hypothyroidism can lead to increased blood sugar levels, so it is wise to keep your dietary sugar low. Choose non-starchy vegetables when possible, swapping potatoes for carrots, asparagus, and salad greens instead. Okay, number four, low sugar fruits. This is the same principle as the non-starchy vegetables. Some fruits like grapes, cherries, and bananas are naturally higher in sugar and should be eaten in moderation compared to low sugar fruits such as apple, apples, berries, and coconut. Okay, number five, our complex carbohydrates. Whole grains take longer for your body to digest, keeping you fuller longer and helping you decrease overall calorie intake. They also contain less sugar than simple carbs like white bread, white flour, and white rice. I recommend following a gluten-free diet for most of my clients, so I suggest incorporating gluten-free whole grain foods like gluten-free oats, flax, millet, and even heirlooms or ancient grain, grains like farro, teff, spelt, quinoa, and my favorite, buckwheat. Food number six, extra virgin olive oil. Use olive oil or any cooking oil high in monounsaturated or polyunsaturated fats like avocado, almond, or even coconut oil. These healthier fats are better for cooking than butter, canola, or vegetable oil. And healthy fats are an essential part of your overall diet. And guys, come on, it's important to understand that seeds and vegetable oils are not the enemies. And occasional use is perfectly fine, even if you have Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. Okay, finally, food number seven, seeds and nuts. Certain nuts and seeds are nutritional powerhouse in teeny packages. Chia seeds, flax seeds, and hemp seeds are loaded with protein, fiber, and omega-3 fatty acids. Those include peanuts, pecans, almonds, and walnuts, which are shock full of protein, fiber, magnesium, and a handful of healthy vitamins. So, Natalia, you didn't list one of my favorites, Brazil nuts. So what's up with that one? So Brazil nuts are great, and I'm sorry I forgot them because they're actually one of the most important foods 
that people with Hashimoto's should include because they're full of their excellent choice of selenium, which a lot of people with Hashimoto's tend to be deficient in. And we know that selenium is um, very important for um, the health of our hair. Oh, thank you. Because I love those. All shapes and sizes. And um, I just want to make sure I should keep eating those along with my almonds. Absolutely. And like I mentioned at the beginning of um, when we start rambling on this about this list, that these are just general recommendations for food. And of course, there are more foods than what we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So make sure you include variety. When I said seeds and nuts, those are, we're talking about pumpkin seeds. Uh, like you said, you know, mm -hmm. any seeds and nuts that you like, you're already eating, make sure you include in, in your diet. Okay. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, so this has been extremely helpful. And I'm sure the listeners, just like myself, are taking notes, right? Now, this is the best part. What should I not eat since I have Hashimoto's? Oh, this is the best question and my favorite one. So guys, this is an important one, right? So make sure you take notes, get your pen and paper out. Here it is. The foods you should not be eating when you have Hashimoto's, they include none. There is not one food that you need to avoid if you have Hashimoto's. When we talk about eliminating gluten, this is just a protein in the grain, right? But it's not a food group or food, right? You don't need to eliminate dairy products unless you're sensitive to them, have lactose intolerance or milk allergy. I cover this topic in details on my Instagram at All Purpose Nutrition, so make sure you guys check that out. You don't need to avoid soy. Just try to buy organic as often as possible. You don't need to avoid nightshades, as this is another myth spread by Hashimoto Protocol book. Man, I'm just so mad about it. <laughs> well, and let me, I'm going to bring up one thing that I learned, gosh, I don't know when, but it's really made a difference for me because I have a tendency to have a hard time to keep my potassium levels correct in my body. And so I learned years ago that by eating orange and uh, red peppers and yellow peppers, that they are extremely high in potassium the same as kiwi. So because I don't eat bananas specifically because there's too much sugar and they cause belly bloat for me and they might not for someone else, but that's an issue. So I really needed to work on finding foods that were healthy and that were great and supportive of my potassium needs. Right. So that's the reason I, I'm so glad that you mentioned those peppers because I love those. Absolutely. And they're also high in vitamin C, which we know that's anti-inflammatory, especially if you're trying to keep your skin healthy. So all those foods are great and none of those foods affect your thyroid in any way. And I will re I've already talked about cruciferous vegetables at the beginning of this podcast. Listeners, I want you to know that there is no science behind this myth and misinformation. 
Oh my gosh. We love being myth busters, don't we, Natalia? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay, guys, you guys, we hope you found this episode helpful. We went over top seven foods for Hashimoto's. And I hope you realize that there is no specific diet you need to follow or foods you need to avoid for Hashimoto's. Guys, if you learned something new today, please consider leaving a rating and review for this show so we can continue doing these episodes for you. Thank you for being a part of Thyroid Hair Loss Connection community and have a beautiful day. And make it a great hair day. Bye-bye.